I'm Brett Chang. And I am Jay Rosenthal, and this is your Peak Daily for Tuesday, July 19th, where we cover the biggest stories in Canadian and global business, finance, and tech all in less than seven minutes. So our loyal listeners will know that this has not been the best first half of the year for our friends at Netflix. The stock isn't doing too well. It's a super competitive landscape now, and they have some more bad news. So Netflix spent $200 million on their latest blockbuster, The Gray Man. Now, reviews so far have panned it as listless, mediocre, and grueling. It's definitely not what the streamer hoped for ahead of a key earnings report tomorrow. But Jay, I do have to ask, if it's not, well, first of all, have you seen The Gray Man? Have not. Has it come out? I, But it's an action thing. And so the fact that listless and grueling are two of the adjectives, that's not great. Well, it's not going to be on my list, that's for sure. But do you have a favorite Netflix movie? I don't know what Netflix movie, but I am constantly watching The Office. It's on heavy rotation, like on the background. So I know that that's not Netflix produced. It just happens to be on Netflix. I, I, I'm thinking about it. Like, I, I almost feel like was Uncut Gems kind of a Netflix movie? I believe it was the only platform that it was on, and it never really went to theaters. And so it may be, you might be able to get it as a Netflix movie. And what about Hustle, the other Adam Sandler movie? I think that, that is a good. Netflix. Yeah, that is definitely a Netflix movie. And it has like, the quality of a Netflix movie. Let's just say that much. But it's a good movie. It's a fun, nice, light watch. It's good. But this one doesn't seem to be. I don't know. I guess it's too early to tell, but that's a lot of money to spend. Okay, Jay, I, I gotta, we got to put a bow on this because I just get the sense that someone's going to start complaining about us talking about movies. Brett, aside from The Gray Man, what do we have for Peak Pals today? For first story, small businesses want Amazon to pay their fair share. For our second story, Europe has a gas problem. And for our third story, the USD is booming. The latest stablecoin. <laughs> the original. Brett, for our first story, small business groups are calling on the federal government to change the tax system in order to crack down on multinational companies that are not paying their fair Canadian tax share. This is in response to some of Amazon's tactics for tax avoidance. Those tax avoidance tactics actually come into light. So Brett, what's the big problem for smaller retailers are having with Amazon? Well, look, it's, I think this is one of many problems that small retailers have with Amazon, but this one in particular. So within the past five years, Amazon used numerous strategies to avoid paying taxes on retail profits made in Canada, including, quote unquote, profit shifting, where Canadian retail operations were booked through a U.S.-based subsidiary and thus not subjected to Canadian taxes. Now, this is all per the Globe and Mail. Now, profit sharing is a common tactic used by many big corporations, usually alongside other measures like instructing employees to do the following. Now, spend no more than six months or two consecutive weeks in Canada and not establish any dedicated workspace there. Refrain from asking anyone to buy the product or sign up for the service while in Canada. And sign all contracts in the U.S. and ensure any books and records were kept in the corporate head office. Now, that head office obviously is not here. Nope. In the case of Amazon, it claims it no longer uses these practices. It gives plenty back to Canada with $6 billion worth of investments in 2020 alone. And it didn't do anything illegal anyway. This, all according to Amazon, making the case for itself. But groups like the Canadian Federation of Independent Businesses are calling on the feds to make such practices illegal and put a stop to the unfair advantages afforded to multinationals with the best accounting team. So, Jay, the peak bills are probably wondering, well, why should they care about tax avoidance as well? Well, it really makes the case for CPAs, but that's, I don't think, the takeaway here. 
The Canadian Revenue Agency estimates it loses up to $23.4 billion every year in uncollected taxes, a good chunk of which can be attributed to corporate loopholing. As Canada's largest online retailer, Amazon's practices are likely a major contributor while also hurting Canadian small businesses who actually keep their profits, you know, in the country. For our second story, as Russia continues to squeeze Europe's energy supplies as revenge for siding with Ukraine in the ongoing war, the European Commission is making a plan to cut consumption. Jay, this is probably the biggest economic in the story in the world and could leave a lot of Germans very cold this winter. What's happening with Russian gas right now? Well, the commission is expected to release totally voluntary gas reduction targets for EU members tomorrow as an effort to band together in anticipation of more supply cuts, which will be made mandatory in the event of severe disruption to energy flows. Now, Russia has already shut off the taps to France, Finland, Denmark, the Netherlands, Poland, and Bulgaria, and reduced flows to big buyers, Germany, and Italy. S&P Global estimates that Russia's supplies to Europe as of June are barely a third of their levels in early 2021, equaling just 40% of Europe's gas. This is all according to The Economist. Although buyers are scrambling to increase supplies, the International Energy Agency said efforts are falling short and stricter measures are needed, including restricting air conditioning use. Oh, that sounds bad. And this matters a lot. Countries can't get enough gas from Russia will need to buy it somewhere else, which could shake up global energy markets and contribute to further price increases. And Europe is already competing with Asian markets for LNG supplies. Now, Europe plans to scale up wind, solar, and hydrogen energy to eventually replace Russian energy imports, but that won't solve the problem, the immediate need that they have to keep people warm this winter. Rising energy prices could also worsen a global economy already stifled with inflation. Jason Bordoff of Columbia University's Center on Global Energy Policy, that's what he told NPR. Finally, as if things couldn't get worse for European friends, there is growing concern that Russia may not turn on Nord Stream 1, the main pipeline linking Russia and Germany after scheduled maintenance this Friday. And for our last story, as we all learned on the playground, when that one kid hit an early growth spurt and was suddenly dominated everything, if someone gets too overpowered, it ruins the fun for everyone else. We're learning that lesson once again, as the US dollar continues to gain as other currencies falter. Brett, what's up with the booming US dollar? After posting its highest growth numbers for a half since 2010, USD shows no signs of slowing, with experts telling the Wall Street Journal that it will continue to go up and away for the foreseeable future as global insecurity drives investors to what they see as the safest and most stable currency. The USD is up just under 8% this year against the Wall Street Journal dollar index, which calculates the aggregate value of 16 major global currencies. Good for a 20-year high, Brett. And here's why it's happening. As the New York Times points out, USD tends to go up during times of global insecurity as investors see it as a relatively safe and stable place to put their money. Now, inflation and energy crises have created enough global insecurity for the US dollar to bulk up like Popeye after a good old can of spinach, Jay. <laughs> That's a great reference, Brett. The Federal Reserve's aggressive interest rate hikes have supercharged the USD even further as global investors look to USD-dominated investments like bonds with higher interest rates promising bigger yields. Now, Bank of America analysts believe interest rate hikes are responsible for over half the rise in the USD this year alone. As the USD goes up, other currencies go down. The euro made headlines last week by falling to par with the USD, but it's hardly the only currency struggling to keep pace, with the Japanese yen falling to a 24-year low and the Canadian dollar, the loonie, 
is stuck in traction despite soaring energy prices. Now, besides making U.S. exports even more expensive, an overpowered USD creates global uncertainty by driving up the cost of debt and hurting the bottom line of companies that have lots of revenue not in USD. Peak Pals, thanks for making us the most listened to and only daily Canadian business news podcast in the country. If you've got a second, why not follow this podcast on your app of choice and leave us a review. And if you want more Peak, make sure to subscribe to our daily newsletter at readthepeak.com. And as always, thanks to Dale Richardson and 306 Media Productions for putting out this episode. Thank you, Dale. And thank you, Brett. And Brett, it's days like this and the stories that we just went through that it's really interesting that we have a dollar that is called the loony, isn't it? That's a good point. I never thought of it that way. Yeah, I like it. It makes us a little less serious than the US. Things are really loony right now. <laughs> Our loony, and we have the loony. It's, the loony's not doing great against the USD, but at least it's still the loony. <laughs> have a good day, Brett. You too.